Hey everyone, uh, Jason Klein here. I'm the senior minister here at Refocus Christian Church, uh, located in Fallonsby, West Virginia. I just want to say uh, thank you so much for listening to our content. Uh, feel free to share or like or leave any comments you have. Uh, we're always looking to engage with people. Uh, what are some questions you have? What are some things that you might be learning? Uh, and at the same time, if you want to know more about us, check us out at refocuschurch.com, uh, which also has a link to our Facebook there. Uh, and so it just has uh, upcoming events, things that are going on, uh, sermon series that we're in. Uh, so once again, thanks for being a part of this. Thank you for listening in. And as always, please feel free to share and comment or like, because uh, we want to make sure that we're trying to reach as many people possible uh, with the good news of Jesus Christ. All right. Have a great day. and just pray. Uh, just ask the Spirit uh, to move, uh, to speak to you, to show you what you need this morning. God, thank you so much, really, for who you are, for everything that you do. I think it's an understatement, and I'm not sure we fully appreciate, but but I hope that we do and we're learning to, that, that you really are all of creation. You're over everything. You're in everything. You do everything. There's nothing about our life that you're unaware of. God, as we, as we finish up this series, I pray that we just are overwhelmed with gratitude by how much you love us and, and how much you've done for us. And as always, I, I pray that it's, it's always you speaking and not me. God, protect the words that come out of my mouth. Protect those who are listening. God, allow it uh, to be things that, that not only challenge us, but to grow us and to mature us into, into what it means to follow you. God, thank you so much for everything that you do and everything that you are. Because without you, none of this exists. I would love you. We thank you. So let me pray. Amen. You know, the, the holidays are, are crazy. I think I talked about it last week. I, I feel like we had our harvest festival and then all of a sudden Thanksgiving here and before you know it, Christmas is here. You know, there, there's Black Friday deals all over the place, and if you missed anything on Friday, you can do stuff on Monday, and Cyber Monday. And then somewhere, like, in the middle of that, there's Giving Tuesday, which, by the way, I think is an amazing thing. Um, but I was, I'd love to be able to compare how much money is given on Giving Tuesday versus how much money is spent on Black Friday, Right? My, my kids uh, are in an age now where they're starting to, to understand money. Uh, Griffin, at least, understands that money is not an unlimited resource. We were at the, uh, the Nutcracker um, Village uh, over, what was it, on Friday, and I gave each boy $15. 
to spend. And so before we go into this conversation, or before we even get there, my first thing to them is don't buy the first thing you see. The first bright, shiny object. Right? And so we arrive, and what does Griffin see? A glowing sword. I want I'm like, I said not to do that. I was like, hold on. Like, we haven't even, like, we haven't even got into the event. And he already wants to spend it. And so he ends up buying a sword, and then later he buys some chocolate. And then so he's, he spent his money. And so Everett's a little more methodical. So he's walking around, and, and it, it takes him two hours to even consider making a purchase. And at this point, I'm like, I wish you would have just bought the first thing you saw because <laughs> you're driving me nuts. And so we're walking around, and he ends up finding a sword that he likes, and then he ends up buying some popcorn. And so mind you, it's been almost two hours. Griffin has spent his money. Everett is still working on his. And so we get to a point where Everett's buying something, and Griffin's like, oh, can I have that? I'm like, no. I was like, you don't have any money. So what's he do? He looks at my mom. Says Maga, and I'm like, Mom, if you buy that for him, <laughs> I was like, if you want to bring him back tomorrow and buy it, I don't really care. But like in the moment, like he needs to understand that 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 everything we have, even our resources, they're limited. The time we have, the the money that we have. It's funny because it it it's such a weird lesson to teach a, a kid. But it's an important one because it shows them that, that the things that they do spend their time and their money on, they're more grateful for them when they understand that it's not just an unlimited resource, right? And, and so when, when I think about how God continues to work in my life and continues to work in our church, the reality is, is while he is unlimited, we are limited. We have, unli- we, we have limited time on this earth. If I'm lucky, I have 70 years, right? Um, we have limited resources. I don't know about you, but I don't know anyone who's a millionaire. Uh, actually, that's not true. I know one guy who's a millionaire. Wonderful family. Uh, if I ever need money, I'm going to call them. Um, but, but the reality is, is, I think when we understand how limited we are, it, it reminds us and it helps us to be grateful for how unlimited God is. Right, Because when we look at our life, when we look at the things that we accomplish, there's, there's this realization that just because I can't do it doesn't mean God can't. <laughs> right, And, and so we, we have to live in the realm of when God is calling us to do something and God is calling his church to be something, that he has an unlimited resource and that he's going to make those things happen. And, and I've talked about this. As much as the world is convinced that the church is dying, I hate to remind them we are not. God is not dead. He is not gone. Satan will not overcome. And nothing in this world will stop him. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't get in our own way sometimes, but God is an unstoppable force. And so when the psalmist, as they write these psalms, some in the midst of struggle, some in the midst of great 
moments of joy, some coming out of captivity. They write these to remind themselves of how unlimited God is. And, and I think that that's important because you and I, we don't have that luxury. We don't, you know, like I said, we, we, we're limited. We, our life is counted for, the days, the resources. But the beauty of God is he allows us to tap into his unlimitedness when we serve him and we follow him. So Psalm 120, verses 1 through 7, says, I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What uh, will he do to you, and what more besides you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Woe to me that I d- uh, dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar, too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Listen, I, I think that that's such a powerful psalm. I mean, we're surrounded by uh, culture wars. We're, we're surrounded by actual wars. And the psalmist says, but no, no, I, I'm for peace. And God, protect me from the sharp arrows. Protect me from the deceitful tongue. For, protect me from, from the evils of this world because only you can do that. <coughs> Israel was not unaware of war. Their nation was constantly at war. Whether they were fighting themselves and their disobedience or they were surrounded on all sides. They, they were some, some of their greatest enemies just could not stand the fact that they served God, the only God of creation. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8, a song of praise. It says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, He who watches over Israel neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life, and the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I love that. That the psalmist is, is speaking of God in, in such a loving way. He says, listen, God will protect you. God will watch over you. God will do everything he can to, to watch over your life, to make sure that you're protected from harm. It, it's not, it doesn't mean that we're going to be protected from bad things all the time because bad things happen and, and life is challenging. But But the psalmist says that, when you feel like no one cares, when you feel like no one sees you, when you feel like no one is in your corner, understand the God you serve will not even sleep because that's how much he's concerned for you. 
I had this conversation with, with Everett recently. He uh, started wrestling, and uh, there's a, a boy in his wrestling that, that is having an issue with, and it's not really a big issue, but they're kind of butting heads. And, and so Everett and I are talking after practice, and uh, so he's like telling me what's going on. I'm trying to help him. You know, some of it you got to kind of navigate, but then I'm like, well, who is the boy? And so he tells me his name, and he points him out. And uh, I'm like, okay. And so I see the kid sitting there with his dad, and, and Everett looks at me. He's like, why don't you go beat up his dad? <laughs> I was like, hold on. <laughs> I was like, I understand that I've said to you before that I would do everything to protect you, and I do mean that, but I'm not just going to go start a fight with someone, like, out of the blue. But, but I love it because, as simple as that is, in his mind, he's thinking, okay, you're my dad, you're going to protect me, so this is how you protect me. Because in his mind, he has no doubt that I will do whatever is necessary to protect him. He knows that. And, and so when I look at God, and when we look at God, we should see God in the same light, that he will do whatever it takes to protect us. He is for us. He, he wants us to be successful. He wants us to overcome things. He, he, he continues to be in our corner. He doesn't sleep. He watches over us as we come and as we go. Psalm 122, verses 1 through 9 this is a prayer specifically for Jerusalem. So that I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statues given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May they be peace within your walls and security within your citadels for the sake of my family and friends. I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Listen, Jerusalem and, and the nation of Israel was a, a huge part of, of bringing us to where we are today as a church. They, they, they ushered in Jesus. They they were established. They were the people of God. And for them, when the psalmist, as he writes this, there's this understanding that Jerusalem is they are praying for its protection, that, that God will watch over it, because out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, comes Jesus, and out of Jesus comes the church. So they understood that, and once again, they were surrounded constantly by their enemies who opposed them, who opposed they're God. And the psalmist prays for them. God, watch over them. What if we prayed for our churches in the same way they prayed for Jerusalem? What if we prayed for protection in our churches, to seek prosperity, for peace to be within you, for security? What if we prayed for our churches and believed the importance of the church today in the culture. As we see churches close their doors left and right, are we praying 
for these churches? Are we praying for our church? Are we praying to continue to see God's kingdom manifested here through us? Psalm 123, verses 1 through 4. I lift my eyes up to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. As the eyes of the slaves look to the hand of the master, as the eyes of the female slave look to the hand of her mistress, mistress, so her eyes look to the Lord our God, who shows us his mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us. For we have endured no end of contempt. We've endured no end of ridicule, ridicule from the arrogant, of contempt from the proud. The, the, the psalmist is, I, I, once again, it's, they're, they're capturing so many different emotions and feelings. They're, they're seeking God for, for mercy and praying that they could understand just a little bit what that is. You know, I, I, when I think about mercy, the first thing that comes to my mind has to be Jesus on the cross. The, the greatest act of mercy ever given to all of humanity was the moment that Jesus decided to die. I, I know that you're not unaware of it, but, but none of us deserve that. None of us deserve to be shown mercy. None of us deserve to be shown grace. If, if God decided to wipe out the entire world, there's nothing anyone could do to stop it. But as the psalmist cries for mercy, I thank God for mercy. I thank God for the fact that he chose to die on my behalf. I thank God that, that his kingdom is now accessible to us because of the sacrifice that was made. Uh, the, the very first verse says, I lift my eyes up to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. You know, this entire year, the, the focus has been his kingdom first. His kingdom first is, is this, this idea of, of continuing to look up and stay focused on what is he calling us to do? What is he calling us to be? Psalm 124, 1 through 8. The Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say. If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We've escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I often wonder if there was ever be a way for me to see how many things God spares me from every day. I, I know that that's hard to ask, right? Because we don't, we, we don't know. We don't know that. But the psalmist understood that, that if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have made it this far anyways. 
37 years old, and I can tell you without a doubt in my mind that had it not been for God, I probably want to be standing here today. My life would have come to an end probably more than a couple of decades ago when I thought that it wasn't worth living. As I've gone through church hurt, as, as, as Danny and I navigated the loss of, of two babies, as I've seen financial ruin, that if it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. And as Israel says, if it wasn't for God, the enemy would have destroyed us. If it wasn't for God, this church wouldn't still be standing. If it wasn't for God, the the kingdom would have no hope. You and I would have no ground to stand on. But because of his protection, because of his grace, when the enemy comes, they don't stand a chance. Psalm 125, verses 1 through 5. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous must, uh, might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with evildoers. Peace be on Israel. Psalm 126 Verses 1 through 6. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Do, do, do you live in such a way, in such a way that the people look at your life and think, man, God is really doing something. You know, that, that, that the psalmist is saying is, as we cry out, as we experience moments of grief, that, that we understand that we will have joy in our life. I, I will never understand people who know God and they're miserable. <laughs> I, I, I can't fathom it. Because I, I, and, and maybe it's just a lack of me understanding, but... But with everything God has done in my life, and listen, it doesn't mean that I'm always like unicorns and rainbows and like I'm always, I'm not always like super chipper all the time. I have days, I'm, I'm human, but, but how can we serve God and not think, man, he's amazing. It's amazing what he's doing. It, it, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm breathing, I'm alive, my kids are doing great. Miles will be three soon, thank God for that, because I can't handle the twos. <laughs> like, but as I sit here, and it's just, how can you have a relationship with God, and you're just like, eh. And, and listen, I would say it's because I don't think you really understand what God has done. <laughs> how, how often do we reflect on everything. I know. 
Around Thanksgiving, we all talk about what we're grateful for. What about the rest of the year? What about all the other times that that God protects us and provides? What about all the times that you're convinced that you're not going to make it to the next paycheck and you do? What about, you know, when your car is falling apart and you have no hope of getting anything fixed and all of a sudden someone in the church comes up and says, listen, let let me help you with that? That's God. That's God working. That, that's God reminding us who he is. That, that's God calling us to live and to be joyous. I don't know about you, but this world could use a whole lot more joy. Psalm 127 said, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. You hear that, kids? You're a heritage. The Bible calls you a reward. Yeah, next time mom and dad get mad, be like, the Bible says I'm a reward. Um, no, don't do that. It won't end well. said, so like arrows in the hands of a warrior... Our children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man his, his quiver is full of them. They will, uh, be put, uh, they will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. You know, there, there, there's two aspects to the psalm that I enjoy it. And one is the beginning. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers will build in vain. Unless God is establishing our church, the church will not last. Unless God is establishing himself in our life and we're allowing him to tell us how to live and to live for him, it will not last. All the labor, everything we do has to be in light of what God is already doing, always. And then the the last half of this is having kids is a great joy. We are called to raise up the next generation of believers A church that has no children in it does not have a great future. So so when you see kids here, when we're when we're with kids and and we do our kids' church break off, and you're here in church and you worship, and there's some kids over here, and they might be a little rowdy, thank God they're here because that's the future of our church. Because the, the kingdom, God provides us offspring to raise up, to show the truth. And listen, it doesn't have to be biological. Adoption's a wonderful thing. Fostering is a wondering thing. But if God has brought children into your life, into your church, even when they drive you nuts, remember that God has given you a precious gift to raise and to teach His ways so that His kingdom will continue. Psalm 128, blessed are are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children's peace beyond Israel. 
Your families are a blessing. Your children, your grandchildren, God has given them to you. Do not underestimate their importance. I've been in ministry for a long time. Well, I think it's a long time, but compared to others, probably not. But but one of the things that when I first got into ministry that was kind of beat into my head was protect your family. You know, a couple generations ago, a lot of ministers sacrificed their family for the church. And, and I don't think they did it wrong. I don't think they meant to do it, but I think the demands were so heavy and, and there was this idea that, you know, as the minister, you know, especially of a smaller church, you have to give everything. And, and if your family gets neglected, it just happens. And, and, and I can tell you that I know a lot of older ministers and almost every single one of them, their greatest regret is that they didn't protect their family enough. And, and so that's something that, that I appreciate the, the elders of this church helped me to do. That's something that I take very seriously <laughs> because my family is my first ministry. If I am not bringing my kids to Jesus, then nothing else matters. And and so I will do, and and I hope that you will do whatever you have to do. Your family is your first ministry. It's not your career. It's not your job. It's not how fast you can climb the ladder. It's not whether or not your name is recognizable in the community. It's whether or not you're raising your kids to follow Jesus. And if God has given them to you, do not take that for granted. Psalm 129. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth, let Israel say. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth, but they have not gained the victory over me. Plowmen have plowed my back and made their furrows long, but the Lord is righteous. He has cut me from the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be turned back in shame. May they be like grass on the roof, which withers before it can grow. A reaper cannot fill his hands with it, nor one who gathers fill his arms. May those who pass by not say to them, The blessing of the Lord be on you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. That's a, a psalm. It's a, the psalmist is talking about it in a young age how difficult it was, but, but understanding that God was there to protect him. Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watch and wait for the morning, more than the watch and wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all of their sins. Psalm 131, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with the great matters of things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with his mother. 
Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Psalm 132. Remember David and all his self-denial. He swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will not allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard it in Ephrathrath. We came upon in the fields of Jar. Let us go into his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool, saying, Arise, Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with your righteousness. Uh, May your faithful people sing for joy. For the sake of your servant, David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenants and the statuses or the statutes I teach them, then their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his, uh, his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit in throne, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her faithful people will ever sing for joy. Here I will make you a horn grow for David and put up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant is it, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's head, down the collar of his robe, as if the dew of the Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. In Psalm 134, Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. I said, I know it's a lot. But I, I think those psalms are so important, not only for the nation of Israel, but to help keep us reminded that the God is still God. Nothing will stop him. Nothing will get in his way. No enemy will prevail. No amount of sorrow will overwhelm him. That, that he loves you so much. That salvation and mercy and forgiveness has been offered. That, that he loves us so much. That, 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 that he loves his church so much. That as we continue to walk in his will, he walks with us. In front of us, beside us, behind us. I love the holidays. I love seeing family that I don't always get to see. I love watching my kids as they get older. Every year it's a little different. Everett's a lot, you know, more mature now than he used to be. He got his own Thanksgiving plate this year and didn't want anyone to help him. 
Griffin tried and he dropped it. Uh, and Miles, we just feed him whatever we can get him when he's not, you know, running around. But, but as, as you gather with your family this season, as we, as we come to the end of the year, as we reflect upon the new year and what's coming, If you're not doing it already, I hope and I pray that you prioritize God in your life. That, that He really is your focus. That, that you are constantly reminded that everything you have is because of Him anyways. Whatever challenges are coming your way, the Maker of the heaven and the earth, the Lord of all creation will be with you. He will walk with you. He will help you understand in ways that you can't. As you gather with your families and you continue to, to help raise your children and, and maybe even raise your grandchildren, and as, as you go here and back and forth and schedules get busy and sports come into play, and I hope that you realize that they're a gift. And part of that gift is you get to teach them who God is. And it starts in your house. I did student ministry for about 15 years. And, and one of the things that I always heard, uh, not always, but a lot of times, like, well, I'm hoping you're going to teach my kids something about God. Well, I hope you do too. <laughs> be, because they're going to learn more from you than they're ever going to learn from me. And, and, and not only that, but, but your personal walk with God, that's yours too. You have to invest in it. You have to put the time in. The psalmist, they understood as they ascended to the temple, they would, they would sing these songs and remind themselves, and they would take the time to, to memorize them and to know them. Listen, if you want to see your relationship with God grow, you have to do it. And I pray that you understand the importance of community. Not only your family, but, but your church family that we're glad that you're here and that we're all growing together and we're all trying to figure this out and that we can do so much more together than we'll ever do alone. But no matter what we do, the one thing that has to be our focus until we meet Jesus is how do we keep looking up? Because when you can look at God and keep Him in proper perspective, I promise, everything else will fall into place. Let's pray. Hey everyone, thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. Hey, if you want to learn more about our church, check us out at refocuschurch.com or look us up on Facebook at Refocus Christian Church. We're located in Fallonby, West Virginia. Uh, we'd love to have you and your family out. Come check out and see what God is doing in our people, in our community, in our church. All right, later.